Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lifelong Podcast. My name is Heidi O'Brien, and I appreciate you being here today. Today, I am going to be diving into mental health, anxiety, depression, all the things. Wanted to share a little bit about my journey with that. I have been struggling a little bit with, I have to be honest, and I've been debating if I wanted to come on the podcast and talk about it. But as you know, if you have struggled with mental health issues, you know how personal it can feel to talk about those things, especially being someone who is supposed to be for my brand, like this image of health and wellness. And I almost feel kind of weird when I share about health struggles I'm going through because for some reason the messed up part of my mind is like, you need to be perfect. You need to be healthy. You've researched all of this. You've done your due diligence. You've worked so hard. You have this lifestyle that has created abundant health for me. But then I'm also human and I have my moments where I don't feel good 100% of the time, again, because I am human and we are meant to feel a spectrum of emotions and go through a spectrum of experiences. So that being said, I want to just kind of open up more about my journey with my mental health on today's episode, and I hope that you can find some inspiration and maybe just feel supported by tuning in to today's episode. Again, so appreciate you being here. This has been such a blessing being the host of this podcast and just watching the show grow on this mission to help people live healthier, longer, more fulfilled lives, and really just trying to make non-toxic living easy and accessible for all because we know it's not easy. And with that, let's dive in to today's episode all about mental health. So mental health. Every year when it becomes winter, the days are getting shorter. Now they're getting longer again. But when the end of fall approaches and the days are getting shorter and the days are getting darker for more, for most of the day when it's dark, I feel like that really is digging into my mental state. And then with the temperature changes, that kind of digs into my mental state as well. And I know I'm not unique. This is very common. But the tricky thing is I've lived in the Midwest my whole life and I love the Midwest. And I think that the seasons are a beautiful metaphor for change and metamorphosis. And I am really grateful to experience seasons in my environment because it reminds me that there are seasons in life. And I honestly couldn't imagine living somewhere For example, like Southern California, where the climate is pretty much the same all year round. I am someone who just loves finding meaning in everything. And I also, the concept of getting through something tough, the winter, and then experiencing spring, experiencing that kind of rebirth, freshness, the light at the end of the tunnel. I maybe sound a little bit emo here right now, but I do just appreciate the seasons. That said, winter is really hard in the Midwest and anywhere that you experience a long, cold winter. 
it's a hard thing. And I say that we are built differently in the Midwest. Shout out to all the folks listening from the Midwest. But anyways, it's kind of this seasonal thing where I get really just my energy is different. I feel maybe a little bit less motivated, a little bit like moodier. I get in my head more. And I think that's kind of the aspect of winter where you kind of like hibernate and you look inward, which can spark up some interesting feelings, especially if you're giving yourself time to sit with your thoughts, which a lot of people don't prioritize in our chaotic and stimulus-filled world. So anyways, I know myself and I know that this time of year is hard on me. It's hard on a lot of people. And that's not to say I'm in this terrible mindset or mental state right now, but winter is just a struggle for me. I prefer summer all day long. It's incredible. Again, also appreciate the seasons. What helps me a lot too is this time of year just booking travel and going places that are tropical and warm, which I haven't done this season, which is really weird. Usually I do at least a couple trips this time of year, but it was such a crazy year last year with planning the wedding and then being in Europe for close to three weeks. So I've just been trying to stay at home and get really grounded. But anyways, my journey with my mental health is it's a big story. And you probably, hopefully, have listened to episode 12 of Lifelong, where I dive into my story with my health issues, which were stemming from environmental illnesses. And with that, I went through severe respiratory problems and neurological problems, which also included and trickled down to anxiety and depression, which honestly, the mental health stuff almost paled in comparison to the physical health stuff that I was going through at that time. That's not to say that the anxiety and depression were very hard things, but the physical health stuff was just so much harder and like the anxiety and depression was a secondary effect. And it was so frustrating because the doctors, they knew that I had a history of anxiety. Part of the reason I struggled for so long in getting answers was they just dismissed it as anxiety. And I know so many people sadly can relate to that. For me, though, my anxiety started when I was a teenager. I was in a health class my sophomore year of high school, and I was sitting in the front of the classroom, and it was the first week of school. And my teacher, who was very interesting. That's all I'm going to say. He was also the gym teacher and he was teaching health class where we would talk about the birds and the bees and body parts and all the different things. So that was very just like awkward that he was the teacher. But anyways, he starts telling this story randomly one day about how his friend once was driving in his minivan and his chest hurt a little bit and he told his mom who he was with and I guess the friend like dropped dead in that moment. Very random story. Can't remember why my teacher was sharing that story but in that moment I had a little bit of chest tightness or pain or so I thought and my whole 
body spiraled into this panic attack where I was convinced that I was dying. And anyone who has gone through a full-blown panic attack, full-blown panic attack, knows what I'm talking about. It was absolutely earth-shattering, terrifying, horrifying experience, which ultimately became my catalyst to getting into holistic health. And I was a teenager. So just to close up that story, I ended up going to my doctor and he like evaluated me. He ran some labs. We even did an EKG and blood work and I forget what else, but everything just to prove to me that I wasn't dying and that I was okay. And he diagnosed me with panic disorder and anxiety. And these were the first times I had ever understood what anxiety was. I remember hearing that term growing up here and there and not knowing what the actual definition of anxiety was or even could not comprehend what that entailed. And looking back, I can definitely see that as a kid, as a young kid, I was anxious. I always just thought I was a worrier, but I was really prone to anxiety from a really young age. It just wasn't until I had that full-blown panic attack and got a diagnosis from my doctor that I really was able to pinpoint some of these worries that I experienced as a kid. Following that, I was prescribed Xanax and that helped me get back to going to school. I was scared to go to school for a hot second because that's where the panic attack occurred and those who have gone through a panic attack understand that where you have a panic attack then you associate it with trauma and it can be hard to go back to that place. So I ended up missing a little bit of school, maybe a week at most, and had the Xanax to get me in the door. And thankfully, I was able to talk to my teachers and create some plans where I could always have a seat next to the door. I just absolutely hated when I had a seat where I was far from the door, far from an exit, and that's an anxious tendency. But anyways, I was so grateful that my teachers could do that. And then I had an unlimited hall pass where I could leave at any point in time because the school I went to, you couldn't just get up to go to the bathroom. You had to go up to the teacher and fill out this whole form. And it just was such a hassle. So I was able to get some things in place that made me more comfortable about going to school. But I didn't want to have to take a Xanax every day to go to school, and I intrinsically knew that it wasn't a good thing. Even though I was only 15 years old and I really knew nothing about medication or any side effects, but I had this kind of knowing within my intuition that was like, I don't want to be on this. I shouldn't be on this. So I talked to my mom about that, and she had a fantastic doctor of Chinese medicine that she had seen over the years, and she asked me to go see this woman who would stick needles in this doctor of Chinese medicine. And being someone who was terrified of needles, I said yes. (laughs) And I went and I had a wonderful time, a wonderful experience. And I swear that that woman, shout out to Dr. Wee, cured me of my anxiety and panic disorder at the time. Wouldn't be until I got into college. And I'm trying not to repeat episode 12, but just to summarize, I ended up getting sick in college with these respiratory issues that down the road I realized were from mold illness, undiagnosed. And some of those secondary side effects were 
anxiety, depression, OCD. OCD was a really big one for me. And OCD isn't what you think it is. OCD can be so much more than just having to organize your desk all the time or check the lock 50 times before you go to bed. There are, that's, there are some OCD components to that, but OCD is, is so much deeper than that. And I, I do have a problem with, I have a bone to pick, I guess, with people that just throw around the term OCD so loosely because OCD was such a side effect of mold illness that I experienced. And it was so gosh darn awful. And for me, it was expressed in a lot of these racing and rational thoughts and then needing to get like affirmation that I was okay. And I, it's, it's hard to ver, it's hard to describe, but I just was so obsessive. Like my mind would never shut off. And then I would do little things to make myself feel safe. So that's that. And then thankfully, when I was at my senior year, I was reading this book and I was introduced to environmental toxins and, and mold exposure and had never heard of these things at the time and realized that, oh my gosh, this is the first time that I've seen my symptoms, like these weird breathing issues and like spasmy feelings I was feeling in my body, electrical sensations that I was feeling in my body were with this list of symptoms I was reading in this book. And for the first time ever, I had hope about getting better and I had an answer and I was able to heal. I did a 180. And with that, my anxiety and depression also healed without me directly going in and saying, oh, I'm going to heal my anxiety and depression. Like I was these extreme physical issues, breathing problems, really, really critical physical issues that I had to heal first. And then secondary, subsequently, I was able to heal these mental health disorders. That being said, Toxins play a really, really big role in mental health issues, and it's absolutely wild that it's not talked about enough. I'm really fascinated by the work that's going on at the Ammon Clinics. I hope you have heard of Dr. Ammon. He is absolutely incredible. A lot of celebrities work with him. He pioneered these special brain scans or a, a method of doing these brain scans where he can heal people of mental health conditions and addictions, and it's all based on these scans, and it's very intricate. But the medical doctor at the Ammon Clinic said, and I quote, when working up a toxic SPECT scan, that's the type of scan that they use, many etiologies need to be considered, including toxins, infections, allergies, medications, and head trauma. Near the top of his list, Multiple culprits of abnormal scans are infections and toxins, especially Lyme disease and toxic mold exposure. So this clinic that is leading in these brain scans, evaluating a whole host of mental health issues, the director is quite literally saying that toxins are a huge culprit of abnormal scans. And the two toxins in particular are Lyme disease and mold exposure. And what's wild is that 50% of homes in the United States are water damaged. I have multiple episodes all about mold exposure. I'll link those in the show notes. 
But when you're thinking about the amount of buildings that are water damaged, and then you take into account that a quarter of the population has a special gene, I shouldn't say special because it's a, a tricky one to deal with. It's called the HLA-DR gene, which makes it difficult for people to automatically detoxify from mycotoxins, the toxic off-gas from mold. So now we have a quarter of the population that struggles to detox from mold naturally, and uh, half of the homes in the United States filled with mold because of the way that buildings are built here with drywall and wood versus brick and masonry over in Europe. And it gets you thinking about how many people are struggling with chronic illnesses that are stemming from mold illness. And I'm not sharing this to scare anyone. I think there is way too much fear-mongering about mold. I don't think it's a concern if you don't have any health issues, but if you have some health issues going on or you're struggling to find answers, word of the wise, look into mold exposure. It'll just save you time and energy. And I wish that I had someone telling me that when I was at my worst. I didn't know about mold illness for three and a half years of being sick. So when I was able to find out about it, which was now over five years ago, it was such game-changing information. And at the time, that was so revolutionary. And even now, five, six years later, mold illness is still in its infancy, in it, especially with you know doctors and mainstream people understanding that it is a serious thing. Without going into further detail about mold illness, because I have so many episodes about mold illness that are linked in the show notes, so please check those out if you want to learn more. I know this is like one of the most highly requested topics. People always ask questions about mold illness. You'll want to listen to those to gain a full understanding, and hopefully it'll just improve your health and your life. So I just think it's really important If you're struggling with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, and more, it's important to look into your toxic exposures. It's not just the Ammon Clinic doing this work. There is so much research coming out about toxins and how they interfere with the brain. For example, a lot of toxins are lipophilic meaning that they store in the fat. What part of the body is very fatty? The brain. The brain is very fatty. So what happens is these toxins, they they go hunting to find the most desirable location because they thrive on fat, in fat. And so they go harbor in the brain. And now brains are becoming inflamed. And what happens with inflamed brains is neurological problems, mental health problems, things that turn into, there's a connection with autism, there's a connection with dementia, there's a connection with anxiety, depression, there's a connection with poor memory, there's a connection with brain fog, and the list goes on. So there is so much emerging research about toxins and what they do to the brain because they like, they thrive in fatty environments like the brain. So I feel encouraged by this research, but I wish that mental health professionals, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists could wake the heck up 
and direct their patients towards functional lab work that can identify the root cause of why they're feeling that way. So that's my little spiel on toxins. But now going back to my story, I started experiencing an uptick in some mental health symptoms this late fall, early winter. Honestly, really, it really heightened last month in December. And it was really curious to me because I have felt like I've had such a good grip on my health. I've been in such a good place. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my mental health just went really bad. Trying to think of even how to articulate, but I was having panic attacks again out of the blue. I was having crazy anxious thoughts. I was having these physical sensations in my body that were very hard to get a grip on where over the last five, six years, I've had such a grip on these feelings. And anytime I would even feel slightly anxious, I'd be able to snap out of it really quickly with what was in my toolbox. But anyways, nothing was really working. I was in a really tough spot December, a month ago. I guess it was last December, but really a month ago, I felt defeated because I I have faced hard things like this before and I've gotten through them, but I just thought I was really on the other side. And I know that I am. It just was like a bad spell of things. But I wanted to figure out where on earth did this, this come from? And my analysis is that because last year was such a hectic year for me. It was out of the ordinary with my stress levels. And it was good stress because I got married. I planned an incredible wedding. I traveled to Europe. It was all these really good things. But at the end of the day, like I was really depleted. I depleted myself energetically, nutritionally uh, because of that stress. So it's not that I was eating differently or nourishing my body that differently. It was more so that my body was in such a stressed state that I wasn't able to absorb those nutrients as well because I was so stressed. And we know that stress can just wreak havoc on the body. And I guess kind of going through that last month, it really woke me up to really prioritizing stress and really looking at stress as a toxin because I've had such a grip on all these other things with non-toxic living and and just my health in general, my physical health that is, but found it difficult to get a serious grip on my mental, spiritual, emotional health. And I'm I'm sharing this and I'm being super vulnerable and it's just really hard to share, but I was struggling really bad trying to just figure out where it was all stemming from and my first hypothesis is that I just really drained my body. My body just got so depleted. I also, my sleep cycle was really messed up in the fall leading up to the wedding and then with traveling and then the jet lag really, really messed me up. But I think it was because the jet lag was following like a super busy honeymoon, a super busy wedding, a super busy wedding planning season. And I'm I'm not sharing any of this for pity. Honestly, I don't I shouldn't say I don't, but I questioned myself if I even should be sharing about this. I feel a little bit uncomfortable sharing about this mental health struggle that I was going through. But anyways, this panic attacks kind of heightened, my anxiety heightened, and then it sent me into this really just dark headspace because it reminded me 
of the time when I was really sick physically and mentally. And it almost activated this trauma response where I was reminded of such a dark time. And physiologically, my body almost sent, was sent back to that because the body remembers. So that was the first hypothesis with the stress. And then the second hypothesis, I was on antibiotics in the last quarter of 2023. I never take antibiotics. I am not a fan of antibiotics. I think there are so many natural, better things out there. But for keeping the long story short, I had to go on antibiotics. There was It was just one of those situations, which we all have. And I think there are there is a time and a place for, you know, surgeries and antibiotics and medication. And I just had one of those situations where I went on an antibiotic. Like, I'm a non-toxic living expert and educator. And here I'm saying that I went on a freaking antibiotic, which is really rare for me. I probably hadn't been on an antibiotic in, gosh, over seven years. And anyways, went on this antibiotic. It was like fine, had no issues. And then at at the time of being on it, and then literally the mental health issues started about a month later. And I dug into the research, which there is so much research about antibiotics and the microbiome and the brain. And lo and behold, the relationship between antibiotics and anxiety and depression is insane to the point where I'm going to go another 10 years before taking an antibiotic, knock on wood. So those are my two hypotheses. Hypotheses, the extreme stress, lack of sleep, depletion, and and it literally sent me into this, this horrible headspace last month. I was even questioning my work and what I wanted to do and if I wanted to continue the podcast. And I, I was so in such a dark place mentally that I couldn't even fathom running a business anymore. I'm, again, being so vulnerable here. But by the grace of God, I am getting through it. I think I am almost through it, feeling so much better. I have been prioritizing my mental health and my spiritual health and my emotional health on top of my physical health. Again, the physical health aspect is so easy for me, but prioritizing these other pillars of my health has been super helpful. I have been doing an Instagram detox, which at first was very anxiety provoking because Instagram is a numbing agent. We can all admit that Instagram is addicting and it's a great place in the moment to go to forget about how you're feeling. And I decided to do an Instagram detox for a month. It'll be a month next week. And at first, yeah, it was like really hard because I had to sit with more of these thoughts and not busy myself. But now that I've been off of it and my producer is running the Lifelong account, so please continue following at Lifelong underscore pod because she's killing the game with these incredible clips. And I really just want to keep growing the show and and social media is a, is a wonderful tool. So I would like to find a healthy balance of utilizing it as a tool for my businesses. I still have to use it for my, my client work. And thankfully, I'm able to do that all online and through scheduling platforms and through my employees. So 
thankfully, I have been able to step away, do a little bit of a detox from Instagram, and that's been just like really helpful. I've really looked inward and I've had more like answers come to me again because I've just given myself that space. So I encourage you all to number one, do an Instagram detox if you can. If not, schedule in time into your day for thinking time, for alone time, for time without any distractions, not even a podcast, not even a yoga class, not even reading a book, I'm going to say. Like, schedule time where you are literally doing nothing. And it's going to suck and it's going to feel so weird at first, but eventually you're going to crave it for the revelations that come to you. So that has been one thing I've been doing. I also went back to my rolfing practitioner. So this is a type of body work that focuses on the fascia and the fascia is the connective And I had done rolfing in the past to release some trauma from my body. And I went to see my lady again. She's in the Chicago area. If you want her name, send me an email, Heidi at HolisticWithHeidi.com, and I'll give you her info. And she was able to work this trauma stress like out of my body. And I felt literally incredible since I saw her. I only did one session. I swear, swear by this therapy. And you heard me talk about this in my woo-woo therapies episode where I dove into what was worth the hype and what's not worth the hype because I've literally tried everything, even palm reading. So give that episode a listen. That'll be in the show notes. In addition to that, I have a a toolkit of other things I like to do when I'm anxious in particular. I like somatic therapy. So one way to do somatic therapy is shaking and just kind of like throwing your arms down, sounds weird, even dancing, moving the energy through your body. What do animals do when they're nervous? They shake. This is healing on a physiological level. So I I like to know that I can just shake or dance or shake my hands out or put my head down and shake it out a little bit and know that it'll instantly relieve me from anxiety in my body. On a similar note, I like to do vagus nerve work, I guess vagal work it would be called, some ways to stimulate your vagus nerve, which your vagus nerve is responsible for your breathing and your heart. And it's the largest nerve pathway. It starts at the base of your skull and runs down. And some ways to stimulate the vagus nerve that I love that instantly relieves anxiety and panic is putting an ice pack on the back of my neck, which stimulates that nerve. And then some other things for the vagus nerve is gargling water. Gargling is one of the the best ways to stimulate that nerve. And then another way is to hum. In yoga practices, they they do the om. And that sound, that vibration is very healing to the vagus nerve. There's also sound therapy that I love, like the 528 hertz sulfide frequency or binaural beat for another term. And that frequency is the frequency of the heart. And it's so calming. You can listen to this on YouTube. You can just type in 520HZ hertz and find a video with that frequency and watch your stress and anxiety melt away. Another thing I heard of doing recently is looking left for 30 seconds and then looking right for 30 seconds. And this just resets 
your physiology and that's supposed to help. I only tried it once and I'm still determining how effective it is. But that's something you could try. Another thing I like to do is to just reduce stimulation. So turning off that phone, adjusting the lighting in my space, maybe getting into some comfy clothes. I really like taking Epsom salt baths or doing the sauna. These are really detoxifying, which we know is going to help relieve the the toxic cause to anxiety and depression and mental health issues. But also they're just like really calming practices. And the Epsom salt bath is really high in magnesium, which is a really important mineral for anxiety and depression. There are also some herbs and supplements that I love for anxiety and depression. I just mentioned magnesium. GABA is another wonderful one. That's a neurotransmitter. L-theanine is a wonderful one. Lemon balm is an herb. I call this nature's Xanax. Vitamin D is incredibly important, especially in the winter. I like to do 5,000 to 10,000 IUs a day. Selenium is incredible. This is found in Brazil nuts. And the B vitamins like B1 and B12 are also really important. And these are found in animal products like meat. A few other quick tips for depression in particular is number one, addressing your gut health. Like I talked about, antibiotics play a really big role in causing depression. Antibiotics destroy the gut. But gut health in particular is a really important one when it comes to depression. So really doing anything to boost your gut health. I do have some episodes on gut health. I can link those in the show notes. Another one is getting out of the house. And I noticed that for me, I start to feel really crappy on the days that I don't get out of the house, especially in the winter, which is really a bummer. So making it a priority to just get out of the house is really important. On a similar note, having deep, meaningful connections. This is major. We also know that this is a pillar of the blue zones and longevity. Having purpose is super important. So maybe you're going through a tough period where you maybe lost a job or you went through a breakup and or just another big life event and you're struggling to just find your purpose and get your feet on the ground. I've found it really important to dive deeper into my purpose and serving others when I am at my worst mentally or physically because it helps to it helps you get outside of yourself and it shifts the energy from yourself and how bad you're feeling and it puts positivity into people around you so helping others having purpose these are really 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 crucial things another one is spiritual health addressing your spiritual health for me this has been really important i have been growing in my faith and i have watched god work in incredible ways that's just you know what i believe but whatever it looks like for you making time for your spiritual health every single day is really 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 important for your mental and emotional health and physical health. They're all connected. I see mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health as one. And when you boost one, you're boosting the other. When you're lacking in one, you could be hurting another aspect. So you really have to look at all those different areas of health holistically. This is why I love holistic health because it looks at things with a bird's eye view and Treating nutritional deficiencies is really a a big one with depression. We know that nutritional deficiencies play a really big role, like those 
magnesium and vitamin D deficiencies in studies have been linked with depression. Addressing those toxins is huge. Other ones to look into are heavy metals, also bacteria overgrowth. And then on another note, really evaluating your metabolic health and eating blood sugar balancing meals. A lot of people, if they're just eating non-blood sugar balanced meals, sugary foods all day long, they're going to struggle with their mental health because metabolically that is just what happens with the glucose. So people that are able to change and become more metabolically healthy, the after effects of that, not only does their metabolic health improve, but also their mental health problems go away. The same goes for once you treat those nutritional deficiencies, those heavy metals, bacteria overgrowth, mold illness, blood sugar. The secondary side effects is that your mental health problems will go away or diminish. I talked about some of those supplements and herbs. And then lastly, what I want to say on the topic of depression is that it's not a chemical imbalance. It's it's really not. That is a scam. Quote me. Depression is not a chemical imbalance. Depression is so much more. It's multifaceted. It's linked with toxins and trauma and a whole host of different things, genetics. It's not just, oh, you're, you have a chemical imbalance and you need to put this chemical pharmaceutical into your body to just balance it out. We know that's not how it works because of the side effects and the lack of efficacy with antidepressants. And I'm not hating on antidepressants too hard maybe a little bit. This is my opinion, and I obviously sympathize with those that are on them. I have used benzos like Xanax for my anxiety when I was first diagnosed with panic disorder. I have deep sympathy for those that are on medication, but I encourage you to look deeper, and maybe your antidepressant isn't working, but know that there are other things out there that can help you. So apparently SSRIs or antidepressants, they only work in two-thirds of the population. And there's speculation that a lot of that is just having to do with the placebo effect. On top of that, they come with a ton of side effects, such as low libido, appetite issues, sleep issues, weight gain, elevated blood pressure and also suicide. And I don't know why that's not talked about when people are literally being prescribed antidepressants for depression, and one of the side effects is, can be, suicide. It's absolutely devastating. I want there to be some kind of reform with this. I want doctors to equip their patients with lifestyle changes that can improve mental health issues. I'm speaking from my own experience. I have been able to heal from physical and mental health conditions naturally without medication. Yeah, I had a little spell last month. I've been able to come out of it now just a month later, all naturally. And I encourage you all to just keep powering through depression and anxiety and mental health issues are a freaking beast. It's awful. I'm so sorry if you're struggling. I'm here for you. Remember the importance of finding community. If you don't have anyone, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to chat with you or connect you to someone. I love connecting people. I just want to be here for you because I know the struggle. I know how hard it is. And I understand that this information I'm sharing, especially my opinion on the pharmaceutical side of things, is maybe a little bit harsh and intense and could be hard to digest. And I 
I don't intend it to be that way. More so, I just want to encourage you and let you know that there are tons of lifestyle changes that you can do to overcome mental health issues. The last segment here I want to chat about is specific foods for anxiety and depression. Also foods that contribute to anxiety and depression and then foods that improve anxiety and depression. Some of the best foods for anxiety include fermented foods, long chain omega-3 fats. These include low mercury fish like sardines, anchovies, wild salmon, mussels, clams, and oysters. Mussels and oysters are also high in zinc, selenium, and iodine, which are really critical when it comes to anxiety. Some of the best foods for depression include lentils, which are high in fiber and folate, which are really great for depression. Olive oil is incredible for depression. A study found that a Mediterranean diet high in olive oil reduced depression drastically. Low mercury fish like sardines, anchovies, wild salmon, mussels, clams, and oysters are high in omega-3 fats. And the consumption of high omega-3 fats is similar to SSRIs. So they're just, if not more, efficacious than SSRIs in treating depression, which is super encouraging. Potatoes are incredible because they have fiber, phytonutrients, iodine, and vitamin C, and wild blueberries because of the anthocyanins, which is the blue pigment molecule that influences the microbiome and inflammation. If you're putting it in a smoothie, just make sure to add in a protein and fat to balance the sugar, although blueberries are a low-sugar fruit. Now, what are some foods that contribute to anxiety and depression? Quite simply, it's going to be the ultra-processed foods and the fried foods. These are the most detrimental foods to your microbiome and your mental health because of the inflammation that they cause in the body. So these seed oils like soybean oil, canola oil, cottonseed oil, these oils are so inflammatory and they're messing up your gut, which is messing up your brain. So avoiding seed oils as much as possible is really important. I have an episode with Really Tan Man, super uh, well-performing episode that I encourage you all to listen to. I'll link it in the show notes. But fried foods, So individuals who consumed more than one serving of fried foods a day, they found that there was a 12% increased risk of anxiety and a 7% increased risk of depression. In this study, the researchers delved into the impact of acrylamide, which is a toxic byproduct produced during frying, and how it impacted mental health. So acrylamide formed through the Milliard reaction or Malliard reaction in high heat cooking was found to cause genetic expression changes in the brains of the animals studied. Acrylamide, which is prevalent in fried foods like french fries, is linked to Western dietary patterns associated with poor mental health outcomes. The study highlighted mechanisms by which acrylamide disrupts mental health, including its impact on brain metabolism. Acrylamide was found to decrease the expression of tight junctions in the blood-brain barrier, leading to increased permeability and potential disruption of gene regulation in the brain. The research combined epidemiological data with animal models to provide insights into the mechanisms underlying the association between fried food consumption, acrylamide exposure, and mental health risks. So through these studies, we can see that the toxic byproduct of the 
toxic oils and high heat hurts your microbiome and hurts your brain. So reducing your exposure to these fried foods and heat oil fried foods to be specific and ultra processed foods will really help reduce that inflammation in the body and keep your microbiome healthy, which in turn will keep your brain healthy and prevent mental health problems. Some other things to be mindful of with its contribution towards anxiety and depression are high glycemic carbs, refined sugars, alcoholic beverages, and caffeine. Well, thank you all for getting this far into today's episode all about mental health. Thank you for creating space for me to share my story with mental health. Again, it was a little bit difficult opening up about my current struggle, at least last month's struggle with my mental health. feel so grateful to now be on the other side of things. If you're someone who prays, prayers are appreciated at this point in time just because I'm still kind of coming out of that that episode. Thankfully, again, to, so thankful to be in such a better place right now with my mental health thanks to lifestyle changes. But a closing thing I wanted to share is how bummed out I get with the Western view on depression and anxiety is something that is just a chemical imbalance that's going to be treated with pharmaceuticals. And then similar frustrations with people in the holistic health space saying, oh, anxiety and depression is just because you're you're lazy and you're not getting sunlight and you're eating bad food. And while those all contribute to anxiety and depression, I'm the first one to say that lifestyle is the first thing to address when it, when it comes to mental health. I don't think it's fair to generalize and say, just do medication or you're just lazy. There is so much more to everyone's story. Health is so beyond multifaceted. We haven't even talked about trauma. And it's just, it's harmful to make broad generalizations. At the end of the day, you have to do what is best for you. You only know what is best for you. You can't go looking online. You can't go completely relying on your doctor. This is not me saying that, though. You got to make your own decision. But you have the answers within you, and you're not lazy. <laughs> you're not doomed. You don't have a chemical imbalance. Like It's kind of part of life, these ebbs and flows, and some people struggle more based on their genetics. So not an easy one. I'm here for you. Clearly, I have been in it and I'm working through it myself too and know that you can get through it. We can get through this together. I'm cheering you on. It's not easy, but I'm proud of you and appreciate you being here. Thanks for sticking around with Lifelong Podcast. Please be sure to tune in every Friday and share the episode with someone who might enjoy. Thank you. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all and we'll see you next week.